morning. Last night when we were gathered together in worship, we sang the chorus of this song that we're getting ready to sing. And the words were, Here I am, God, arms wide open, pouring out my life so gracefully broken. And it hit me. That's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. He said, Here I am, God. Here I am. Arms wide open. I'm pouring my life out. So gracefully broken. He poured out his life for us so that we would be free. So we are gathered together this morning to worship. Whether you're in online or whether you're here with us this morning. Let's stand together this morning. And let's worship him this morning.
Amen. Good morning, everybody. So glad to see you here this morning. Glad you're in the room, and we're glad that you're joining us online this morning. Let's hear these words from Psalm 119. O Lord, give me your unfailing love, the salvation that you promised me. Then I can answer those who taunt me, for I trust in your word. Do not snatch your word of truth from me, for your regulations are my only hope. I will keep on obeying your instructions forever and ever. I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. I will speak to kings about your laws, and I will not be ashamed. Oh, how I delight in your commands, how I love them. I honor and love your commands. I meditate on your decrees. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for being with us this morning. We call upon your Holy Spirit to be present in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies, in our souls. Wherever we are, God, we thank you for your presence that you give to us. Thank you that you are not limited to walls, but you dwell in the hearts of your people. So your people gather this morning to worship you wherever we are with praise and thanksgiving. We plead with you to bring your power into our lives, to bring healing, to bring protection, to provide for us all things. Thank you. We welcome you, Jesus, and we thank you for welcoming us. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, CTC family, I'm Chrissy, and here's this week's news. Perspectives on the World Christian Movement begins this Wednesday at 6 p.m. Even if you missed the orientation session last week, you can still join the class. We will offer the class both in person and on Zoom. You can see Doug or Denise Kinnear to find out more information or to sign up. As part of our ongoing ministry at CTC, we collect and distribute diapers and wipes to families in need. We are currently in need of all sizes of diapers, as well as wipes. If you are able to donate these items, you can drop them off at church during office hours or during service time. Cornerstone Senior Center is a day program for active seniors who want to enjoy a multitude of activities to stimulate a healthy, productive life. With activities like art classes, card making, and other crafts and fellowship, it's a great place for seniors to stay active and connected. For information, call the number on the screen or visit their Facebook page. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.net or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the Bear Campus office at 302-836-2862 or the Ellesmere Campus office at 302-998-4584. You can email us at prayer at ctcde.net. Or, if you are worshiping online, you can click the Request Prayer button at the bottom of your screen. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. It is so good to see your beautiful faces. 
If you're in the room, welcome. If you're in our online congregation, we welcome you also. And isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? It is great to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm reminded of when Solomon built his temple and God said that it was a holy place. And we are standing on holy ground and God is with us. And for that, I say amen and thank you, God. If you're um, in the room, we want to connect with you. If you're online, we want to connect with you. On your table, you will see a connect card or on your bench seat. Please fill it out for yourself and those who are with you. If you're online, you can fill out the Connect card um, by going to the Connect tab and filling out that information. You may also list prayer concerns on the Connect card. On your table or on your bench, you will also find an offering envelope. On that envelope, you can update demographic information. You may list prayer concerns, and you may give an offering. If you're online, you may go to the um, tab where you would fill out the same information. If you're new here, um, we'd like to meet you and greet you after the service. So please stop by the Welcome Center where one of our hosts will be happy to greet you in Jesus' joy and to welcome you. Um, if you're new here and you're online, please fill out the online new here tab and one of our hosts will talk with you. And if you are online and you desire prayer, please click the prayer tab. You'll be escorted to a chat room where you, one of our online hosts will pray with you and it's confidential and private. If you noticed, in the mall area, there's a beautiful memory tree, and there's a table with cards. If you will, please take a card and write down your favorite memory of Maria Tucker, Pastor Vaughn and Gwen's daughter who has gone home to be with the Lord. And while our hearts are heavy, our souls can rejoice because we know that she is with our Father who has prepared a place for her and for us through all eternity. But if you would, share your favorite memory of Maria. And I'm sure you have many, because if you know Maria, there are always great things to say about her. And so, at this point, we're going to ask you to stand so that we can pray and transition to the message. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give back to you a portion of what you have given us. Father, we know because everything we have is because of how richly you've blessed us. And for those in our congregation who have a desire to give and may not have it, we're just going to thank God in advance for how he's going to continue to provide for you and to care for you, and to make sure that you have everything that you need. And so, Father, we ask that as we now turn toward the message, that you open the eyes of our understanding so that your word penetrates deep within our heart. Flood our hearts with your light and reveal your word to us as it equips us to walk by faith. 
We thank God for the man of God that you have anointed and selected for this hour. You have prepared him, Father God. And we just want to hear your words through him. Please bless the message and bless the messenger as well as the hearers of this word. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus and we say amen. You may be seated. go to God's Word this morning, uh, we continue our series uh, called God's Eye View, and it's a series that uh, challenges us to see the world as God sees the world and learning some different things about, about who God is just by the way He looks at the world. You know, the perspective that you have on life is your perspective. Nobody else sees life or experiences life the way you do. So I wonder how many times we ask ourselves, God, what is your perspective on this world? And how do you see other people? So that's what this series is kind of all about. How can we uh, see things from God's eye view? Most of the, uh, the, the messages are related to the, the, the um, Wednesday night series called Perspectives. And it's, uh, we had an orientation this last week, as you heard Chrissy say on the announcement video, uh, it's still, there's still time for you to uh, join us for Perspectives on Wednesday nights, uh, and uh, we hope that you do. There will be very insightful uh, classes that we have challenging us to see the world as God sees the world. And uh, so I invite you to, uh, to continue to think about joining us there. Two weeks ago, as we started this uh, series, we looked at the world and learned about God that from His perspective... God is constantly seeking out people. In other words, God is a seeking God. God is a searching God. God is always looking for the people that he loves. I think that's so crucial. Actually, I think that's good news. That wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, whatever place in life, if you feel like God is not there, know that God is still searching for you. Just turn around. God is there. Read some scripture. God is there. Whatever it might be. God is a seeking God. Last week, we looked at the theme or the idea of if not you, who? We learned that God's plan for sharing Christ with others involves God's people telling others of Jesus Christ. And if we don't do it, who else is going to do it? We are part of God's plan to share the good news of Christ to other people. So today, following that theme, here's the title. Just try to stop it. (laughs) Just try to stop God's love. Pastor Bill, you know, if you're not getting our Friday morning emails, I hope that you that you will. If you set our uh, set your filters so that you'll you'll receive an email from us, we'd like to encourage you that way. And in that email, 
there's there are no gimmicks. There, there's there's uh, we we do like to know uh, who's watching and who's who we can uh, touch and connect with each week. So if you'd like to get that email, make sure we've got an accurate email address for you, and we'd be glad to have you. Uh, normally it's been me that's been sending them out, and but I've started sharing that responsibility with Pastor Sharon from the Ellesmere campus and also Pastor Bill from this campus. And so this last week was Pastor Bill's first time. And you know me, I'm not a sports guy. So uh, I'm a farmer, so farming analogies, as you know, come up very easily, but not sports. So it was refreshing to see Pastor Bill using a sports analogy. And he talked about some guy who was unstoppable on the football field. And I don't even know who it was, but it was just refreshing to have a sports analogy from somebody who could legitimately give a sports analogy, unlike me. But God's love is unstoppable. God has a plan for our lives. God has a promise to fulfill, and God will complete that promise in, in our lives. And God's not going to stop until it's fulfilled. Let's turn to the uh, Acts chapter 28, verse 31. And we'll just, we'll just start looking at some scriptures there. This is a time when uh, Paul, I know it's the end of the book of Acts, the, the Apostle Paul has gone on his missionary journeys telling others of Jesus. He, I was going to say Pastor Paul has been a right so difficult to work at this church and say Paul and not get confused with Pastor Paul. Uh, but the Apostle Paul was arrested because he was sharing Jesus Christ with others. And at this point in the story, he has been in Rome awaiting a trial. And, and uh, this is the very end. And it says in verse 31, or verse, verse 30, it says, For the next two years... Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly preaching, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the phrase, and no one tried to stop him. In other words, the gospel was freed up. No one tried to stop Paul from sharing the gospel. God will fulfill his plan. God's desire is to be a blessing to all people. God's plan is to bless the whole world, and no one can stop it. Though throughout history, many people have tried to stop it. Even throughout history, many situations have threatened the the ability of God's message to come across. And it is still being told. Let's go to John chapter 10. God's plan, as we know, started with, with the Jewish people. And God, God made a promise to Abraham. And it, the promise started with Abraham and continues. And in John chapter 1, verse 10, we read these words. Jesus, meaning he, he referring to Jesus, came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. God came to the world in the person of Jesus Christ as a fulfillment of the promise that God has made to Abraham thousands of years ago. 
And the Apostle John recognizes this, and Jesus himself shows times when he's aware of the purpose that God gives to his life. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So God created us all the beginning of time. Adam and Eve turned their back on God as we all turn our backs on God. Jesus came to return all people back to a right and loving, peaceful, reconciling relationship with God. But even And God chose Abraham to, to create that family to be a blessing. And I've said that there's been opposition to God fulfilling his promise. One of the first oppositions is nature itself. And so God chose uh, Sarah. Abraham and Sarah was unable to have children. There's a barrier. How's this woman going to, going to birth a nation of people that will be a blessing to the whole world? But God still chose it because God's plan cannot be stopped. So through all of this and finally all the stories of the Old Testament and the, uh, Jesus fulfills those prophecies. But even still, that nation of Israel, the people of God, rejected Jesus. What God is trying to do is very clear here in the book of John. God is trying to rebirth, give new life to his people. And he says they must be reborn, not with a physical new birth, but a spiritual one. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a, spirit, but a birth that comes from God. So God's plan is to recreate our lives, to make us new. And that's exactly what Jesus does for us. Jesus, in Jesus, God is recreating his family and his intention is to bring all nations into that family by giving them new life, new birth through God. Some of the Jews accepted Jesus as the Messiah, but others rejected him. But since God's plan was to bless all the nations, God's plan had to take a turn from just being confined to the people of God. It had to make a shift to go outside of that to all people. You know, in the, in, the, in the days of Jesus, there really were only two kinds of people. You were Jewish or you were one of everybody else. And the word for that is Gentile. You were either Jewish or Gentile. But when the Bible talks about the, the good news of Jesus Christ going to the Gentiles, it's saying all the rest of the world. Because in that time, there were only two kinds of people. You were either Jews, Jewish or you were Gentile. Faith in Jesus had to break free from the traditions of the Jewish people. Jesus sets free the good news of God's power, love, and new life, and no one will stop it. Jesus frees up the good news from the binds of the Jewish faith, religion, and traditions and makes it available to all people. And Jesus gives us that good news to share with all people. 
wherever we are. The message that started with Abraham and his family, it, but is, is now set free so that all people can be made new again, reborn in the name of Jesus. Now, we must be careful not to bind this message again, this message of new life, by the trappings of our own families, of our own religions, of our own traditions. And by that, we, we know that Jesus confronted uh, the Jews has overemphasized the law of Moses as the way back of reconciliation to God. And they often miss the spirit of God's intention to return people to God. That's what God's plan was. I just want my people to love me again. And I will teach my people to be my people. And so he gave the law in order to teach the people of, of Israel to be a witness, to love God. But they overemphasized it. And they got wrapped up in the trappings of what I call religion. They got wrapped up in the temple and how beautiful it was. They got wrapped up in the actions of what they were doing and they forgot that it really was about worshiping God. It was really about God's love. It's not about obeying the law. And when Jesus came, He said, I have come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So the law is still important. And we're not released from doing what God teaches us to do. But Jesus came in order to fulfill it. And the only way we as human beings can fulfill, the only way that we can do as God teaches us to do is because Jesus comes into our lives with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus equips us and teaches us, enables us throughout all of our lives to love God. To love God with our whole heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. We can't complete that law without the presence of Jesus Christ. And I think the whole world, especially in our world today, we're seeking for a world where there is love between neighbor. And humanity has forever tried to accomplish that, but we keep failing at it. That's because that is the human condition. <laughs> and we're never going to fully do it without God being present in us. So the Jews had overemphasized the law of Moses and often missed the spirit of God's intention. Obedience to the law became their religion instead of, instead of the law that leads them to a relationship with God. That's the law of love. And they missed the point. And Jesus confronts them often. For example, Jesus calling the Pharisees hypocrites for teaching the law of God but refusing to do it. And that is a barrier between us and other people. We try to, to show God's love, but when we get legalistic in sharing the love with others, the world sees right through that and they say, you're just a hypocrite, Christian. And we absolutely lose our witness to others. The only way we can succeed in doing that is for God's love to so transform our lives and our hearts and our attitudes and our thinking so that everything that we do becomes a testimony of God's love for all people. That's a challenge to us as the church, even in our world today. There's a man named Stephen. Stephen was a follower of Jesus in the early church. This is, uh, we're going to look at it in the book of Acts. We're going to look at what he's doing. And Stephen confronts the Jewish people. He confronts the resistance of the Jewish people. And Stephen Stephen seems to have some kind of a grasp that the message of Jesus Christ is for all people. 
And Stephen understands that it's got to break free from the religious activities of the Jewish people and go into the rest of the world, the Gentile world, all the rest of the people. And so Stephen, as he's, as he's trying to do that and, and, and live it, the, the, the freeing of the gospel from religion, he was accused of speaking against the law of Moses. And he went to trial. He was taken before the Sanhedrin. And we can read about that in chapter 6 of, of the book of Acts. So let's turn there, if you will. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. <laughs> Verses 13 and 14. And this is the accusation against him. But it, it was a false accusation. They were just trying to trap Stephen. But it says that the, the, the lying witness said... This man is always speaking against the holy temple and the laws of Moses. You see where their heart is? You see where their emphasis is in their religion? It's on the temple. And it's on the law of Moses. Not about God. They've missed the point. It says we've heard, verse 14 says, We've heard them him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple. For heaven's sake. <laughs> Don't take down my church. Don't change my church. And we've placed our allegiance not on God, but to something else. You know that's idolatry. And even in our world today, there are many times when we, even we as Christians, are worshiping the thing, the cross, or the space, or the carpet, or whatever it might be, the steeple. You know, at one time, this building used to have a steeple on it. I haven't heard stories about what happened in this church when the steeple was, uh, was removed. Or never. It was removed, I think, to repair the roof. And it just never got put back up. But how, how unreligious is that to have a church without a steeple? And we have tables in our uh, in our, in our, we call it a celebration room. And I have heard stories that when the tables came in, some people couldn't handle that. And they went and found a church where they didn't have tables. God, God bless us all. But there are times in the life of the church when we get too wrapped up in the stuff and the things. One of the principles that, that is talked about like I guess I mentioned it last week in this perspectives class, is that Jesus is not so much concerned about the programs of the church. He doesn't care about the programs. Is there a youth program in my church? Is there a children's program? We don't have a choir in our church. <gasps> Jesus is far more concerned about the people than the programs of the church. And there are too many times even we as Christians start worshiping the programs and the processes of the church and we forget about the people. And I've even made that mistake in many in some of the leadership decisions that I've made in the church. It's all about the people coming to a relationship with God. I know that, you know, Pastor Paul, this, this church has a long history uh, it was over in Kirkwood. It's Kirkwood United Methodist Church in the early 90s. They moved to, to a different location and, and they did things differently. And there's always change in the church and change is, is very difficult for us to endure. But we've got to continue to change. Why? Because there's always a new generation of people that must be reached with the gospel. 
And that new generation of people uh, is always growing up. And they think differently. They do things differently. My gosh, they play on video games. And I wouldn't doubt someday we're going to be driving cars like this, if we have to do that at all. And those who are skilled with the eye-hand coordination that I don't have (laughs) are going to be better drivers than I am. And I'm going to sit in that car that operates itself, or there's this joystick, or there's this, there's this little thing like this, instead of a, what? I've got to have a steering wheel. Give me something to turn this way and this way. What? Oh, you know. I watch the video games now, and, and, and young people are driving these, these racing cars through this simulated race course. And they're just moving the joystick this way or that way. Do they even call it a joystick anymore? I don't know what they call it. I'm too old. <laughs> old man. How do we communicate the gospel? And scientists tell us that as children are growing up today, their brains are physically changing. Their brains are physically different than the way my brain developed. How do I share the gospel with somebody whose brain is physically different than mine? It's mind-boggling <laughs> to me how to do that. We constantly have to be adjusting, and, and, and God, God is in all of this because why? Because God's purposes, God's promises cannot be stopped. And God calls you and me to work. It's still His plan to use you and me, and it's greatly challenging to me and us as a church. So this church made a big change about 30 years ago. Pastor Paul was the, was the pastor. And, you know, it's easy for us to complain about old traditional churches that have been around 200, 250 years ago. And one of the reasons we don't have, have, have pews in this church is because what in the world does, what, what's a pew? You go out, uh, and I was having this conversation with one of our, our teachers yesterday about, about the vocabulary that people no longer have in our schools. So, so what's a pew? Go out on the street and ask somebody, do you sit in a pew? How many people would look at you and say, what in the world are you talking about? (laughs) Some of you even here may be saying, what is Pastor Roger talking about? I don't know what a pew is. A pew is a long bench that that goes in a church, a traditional church. Well, you can't have a church without pews. Yes, you can. (laughs) Because God doesn't sit in a pew. God lives in a heart. And that's where we need to put our focus on these things and not on the stuff. And even if, you know, so I can make fun of old churches which have church pews. But I want us to be aware, even in this church, that if you've been here 10 or 15 or 20 years as part of this church, that is long enough time to get accustomed to a particular tradition so that when it changes, you have a reaction. <gasps> we can't do it that way. So I'm just, I'm just saying, let, uh, church, let's be on guard about those ways that we may not understand it, but it is in order that others may experience the good news. Especially in our world today. Have you seen that television commercial on TV about wearing masks? Have you, have you noticed that they quote the Bible in that? They're not referencing the Bible. They probably, some people are probably, well, I'm not quoting the Bible in that. There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, I don't know who put, who created the, the commercial. 
But the commercial ends up saying this. Think first about others. Wear your mask. Jesus said that. The Apostle Paul said that. Put others ahead of yourself and think first of others. So the world is still teaching the Bible and we need to hear this. This is the message that we have. Stephen confronts the resistance of the people in this. He shows that Jesus fulfills the Old, the Old Testament prophecies, but in proclaiming the truth of Jesus, Stephen is killed. They don't like the message. They killed the messenger. <laughs> Literally. They picked up stones and they threw them at him until Stephen was dead. You can read it. Acts chapter 6. The power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come upon the disciples, all of them, in, 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 at Pentecost. So that they would have power when they were persecuted to be able to proclaim Jesus Christ. Stephen shows this truth. And when Stephen is killed, it, it opens up this new phase in the Christian church that scatters the message of Jesus Christ. So that when Stephen is killed, the other disciples get scared and they flee to places where it's going to be safe. But they did that once before when Jesus, when Jesus was arrested. The night when Jesus was arrested, the disciples uh, fled and they went to wherever they could thinking, oh no, they got Jesus, now they're going to come after me. So in fear, they fled. But then the Holy Spirit came after Jesus was resurrected. And now, instead of fleeing in fear, the, the apostles flee. Yes, they're fleeing for their safety, but they do something different. Instead of hiding and shutting up, they go to different places and they proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I remember, and, and here's the effect, it scatters the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'll give you an image of that kind of scattering. When I was... Um, about 10 years old, my dad uh, sold one farm, moved on to another farm. And on the new farm, we had about 30 acres of uh, apple orchards. And uh, we decided the, the trees were old, the trees were, ha, had not been pruned, uh, and, and they had not been taken care of, so it was pretty much an unproductive apple orchard. My dad decided that he could better use that land for growing other crops. So he had a friend and he made an arrangement with a friend that the friend would cut down all the apple trees. Uh, we didn't, pay him, didn't have to pay him anything because we gave him the wood. He could do whatever he wanted to do with the wood. Some trees he probably cut into boards, apple wood. Some trees he just took for firewood. And if, you're a, if, if, you're a, if, if you like to smoke on your barbecue, <laughs> you, want, you want some apple uh, chips. Now, this is back in 1976, so I'm pretty sure that what you buy in the store today isn't what came off the farm. But um, So he cut down the trees. When he cut down the trees, he took the wood that he wanted and he left the brush there, the little sticks, the little twigs, and he put them all into piles. And then we came in with tractors and we pulled out all the stumps and we dragged the stumps into those piles. So it's across that 30 acres. We probably had 10, maybe 10 or 8 or 10 piles, great big, huge piles of brush. Well, what do we do with that? Well, we set it on fire to burn it up. It was legal <laughs> in those days to do it that way. I don't know what we'd have to do these days. So for about two weeks, 
when I got home off the school bus, it was my job to go tend to these fires that were burning up these big piles of brush. We had bonfire all night long for two weeks burning these piles of brush. And I learned very quickly, you know, we didn't want the fire to spread across the fields. So it was my job to make sure the fires didn't do that. And I learned very quickly that if you even take your foot and you stomp out on a, on a fire or you take a, your shovel and you smack it out, or maybe you've got a, a broad broom and you smack the fire as it's growing through the grass, you're only going to spread the fire. You've got to dig a little trench. You've got you to take the fuel away. But if you spread the ashes around, you're only going to spread the fire. That's the effect that persecution has on the Christian church. And it continues to have that effect today. We in America have, have lived in a country and we take it for granted that we are able to share our faith without persecution. Maybe we need some persecution. To cause us to say, how serious am I about my faith in Jesus Christ? Am I relying more on the government to protect my right to, to, to go to church and worship than I am the, Jesus Christ himself? And I think, God, I think God is going to allow us to experience persecution in order to challenge us to share our faith with others. Do we really think that it's important for us, if, as I said last week, if not you, who? Really? Who else? And I think, I think persecution is good for the church. Difficult times. And we can experience persecution in many different ways. We might even call just going through a difficult situation persecution. You know, I think of you know, Pastor Vaughn and Gwen and the, the, the grief that we've been experiencing as a church, but the grief of a mother and father at the death of a child is tremendous. So we, we pray for, we support, we help. One of the things I'm, 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 I'm amazed at is Pastor Vaughn and Gwen's faithfulness. That even as we gathered last week at the cemetery, when I would pray, when I would talk, when we would say things, when we would, scree- when we would read scriptures, I could still hear Pastor Vaughn and Gwen saying, Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. And even in their deep grief, even in their sadness, there is a recognition of God's truth, God's love, God's power. And they're continuing just in those simple words, uttering, thank you, Jesus. They are giving a testimony to the power of God in our our world. And that is a testimony that goes out to many people. And I think COVID itself is a challenge to the church. Because this room that can hold, if we had everybody in here, we can hold 600, 700 people easily in this room. But we can't do that safely right now. And I think as Christians, we get, we get accustomed to, to, to the pastor being the one that proclaims the good news. But you're not coming. We can't gather together so that the pastor can proclaim it. But we do have this thing called the Internet that allows us to reach new people. But God is scattering the church even today. And you have the responsibility of being faithful to God, not just coming to church, but at work, in the grocery store, at the post office. And I know that, you know, I'm not the best. I I am an introvert. And when I get out of this position, (laughs) this office of pastor, 
when I get out of the, this role that God has called me to do, I'm a fly on the wall. And I go into a grocery store, I don't want anybody to notice me. <laughs> but I have to work at being open to sharing Jesus Christ to people. And I, I have to pray about it. And I have to say, Lord, as I walk into this grocery store, help me be sensitive to the people around me. And if there's anything that I can do or say to help somebody that would be a witness to your love and your power in this world, help me do that. If not me, who else? If not you, who? God's calling us to do all these things. So Stephen shows that gives that witness. When the message of God is threatened, when it's difficult, when life gets tough, here's a cheesy phrase, You've heard when, when, when the tough gets going, the, is that right? When the going gets tough, there we go. Okay, thank you, Chrissy, for laughing at me out loud. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Yeah, you don't realize in this room, you see how the roof is angled? When, you, when you're sitting, especially in the back, if you're sitting back there, the, your sound goes up from your table. It hits that angled roof and it throws the sound right to me. <laughs> And just remember that when you're sitting back there and you're, you're thinking, you're, I'm going to sit in the back so I can talk about the pastor or I can talk about anybody. Ah, I hear it. Anyway, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? That's the saying. I tried to make that a, a, a nice uh, phrase about Christianity or whatever. And all, the best I can come up is when life gets tough, when the going gets tough, the gospel gets going. When the going gets tough, the good news gets going. When the going is difficult, it is an opportunity to give a witness of the power and love of God in our lives. So let's let, let's let the gospel go free in our lives and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 and 21. 19 to 21. And let's read this after what I've just said about the scattering of the disciples and the spreading of the good news like a fire. It says, meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during persecution after the Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. They still didn't quite get it. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. And the power of the Lord was with them. And a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. There's a movement. There's a turning point in, in this time of the Christian church from the message just coming to the Jews. Because remember... God's promise to Abraham was that through him there would be a huge number of people who would be a blessing to all the nations of the world. That's the promise that God gave to Abraham. And that's the promise that God is continuing to fill. And he needs not only the Jewish people to proclaim Jesus, he needs everybody to have faith in Jesus in order to accomplish his purpose. And there is nothing that can stop God from doing that. But God's plan is to use me and you in sharing that. Are you willing to do that? We talk about salvation. Are you saved? Are you saved? But saved for what? 
Saved not to just experience your own salvation, but saved in order that you can tell others that, your, that salvation is for all people. Eternal life is for all people. Persecution does this. This is God's plan to bless every nation of the world. Our task is not yet finished. And you know, in America, God has brought to us many cultures. This is why we're doing this Perspectives class. And it's not just about sending missionaries around the world. It's about each one of us becoming that messenger that takes the good news of Jesus Christ to whomever God sends us. At work, at the grocery store. We have our neighbors on the other side of our lawn right here on this campus. Many of them don't speak the same language as the native language that I speak, which is English, depending on who you ask. They don't. Some of them don't eat the same foods that I eat. Some of, don't, some of them don't use the same spices that, that I like to use. But God is still telling me, make friends. Share the love of Jesus Christ with your neighbors. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment. And the second one is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? Anybody who's in your vicinity. <laughs> and that's around the world these days. Some of us have neighbors that we've never met, but we talk to them online. They're our neighbor. In the Old Testament, Micah 6.8 says, Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what He requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And I love Matthew 4.23, which Jesus sets a pattern for what we as the church are to be doing. It says, Jesus went throughout the region teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming good news about the kingdom of God, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. There are all kinds of illness in our world today. Physical illnesses, social illnesses, relationships that are broken. And Jesus comes to heal all of them. And He's calling us to participate in His love and power that is transforming the world. God will bless every nation and every people. And God asks us who have faith in Jesus to tell them. Jesus shows us how. Jesus gives us the power in His Holy Spirit. Only question is, will we trust Him? And will we give ourselves to the mission, the purpose, the plan, the promise that is given to us. Perspective classes is one way that you can, you can grow in this ability. You can challenge this. You can find new ideas about sharing God's love. My invitation to you today is, is in what ways are you letting loose? Are you freeing the good news of Jesus Christ through your life so that others can receive it? Maybe you want to answer that question online. If you're watching online, jot a little thing. This is what I'm going to do this week. Or you can fill out a connect card and say, this is what I'm going to do this week. Maybe you have an idea for us as a church. that's something that we can do together. So you can fill out these things. Maybe you just have a prayer request. Maybe you're one who needs to be shown God's love. And you need us to pray for you. Fill out the connect card so that we can pray for you in that way. Let's pray together.
as we continue to worship and make a decision as to what God is calling us to do. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for teaching us. Thank you for giving us your peace. Thank you for your promise, which continues throughout time. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us the power and the strength to live the lives that you want us to live. Lord, we pray for others who need to experience your love today. We ask you to fill them with your peace and your power. Help us, God, to wherever we are, wherever we go, to be willing and ready to share your good news whether it's through a word or through an action, whatever it is, God. Your promise we trust. And we thank you for the purpose you give to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you here in the room to stand and and as we sing together, if you want to come at the platform area and just have a conversation with God, uh, you can do that. Others can come and pray with you. Let's sing and continue worshiping God.
Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.